Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, once again, is Jeremy Feinstone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. Jeremy, it's good to see you again. I was off last week. I missed you. Parts unknown. I know where you are now. You're right in front of me. Uh, I hope that your vacation was fantastic. It was. Uh, we thought going into it that this was going to be a relatively easy week for you to take away from because, <laughs> you know, we'd have this crossover show. It'd be one and done and, you know, just kind of move on. And we can just kind of, you know, ease right into it next week and have no problem whatsoever. Plenty of time for you to catch up from where you were at, doing what you were doing, to watch everything. Just a show or two. Wouldn't it be too bad? Ha! <laughs> 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 we were. Gets us every time, doesn't it? <laughs> Fool it, we were. <laughs> first of all, I do want to say thank you very much to Justin Nipper for filling in for me last week. Very much appreciate his appearance here. And he was the perfect guest to have going into Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 in Yokohama, considering the crossover event with Noah. He knows so much about Noah. It was great to have his expertise on that. So very much uh, big thanks to, to Justin for that. I was and, super happy that he was uh, just willing to pick up the, uh, pick up the, pick up the flame and, and carry it for us in our was, time of need. Yeah, it was great. It's always good to have that. It's like Scott Edwards with the stardom stuff. I, I really, one of the great things about Fight Game Media is we have a show or an expert that handles just about every facet of MMA, boxing, pro wrestling. So uh, we have, we can do these things where we can help each other out, so to speak, when, when these events come up. And, you know, I, I did come back from this vacation and I knew that I had the Yokohama show to watch. <laughs> and then I heard that, you know, there things happened. And so I had to catch up on that. And I had to watch the two, uh, the two road two shows, the one in Nagoya, the one at Corican Hall. So not only did I get to go on this wonderful vacation uh, to the Caribbean, but I got to come back and then just marathon watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. So uh, that's a pretty decent way to spend a, a week and a few days right there. Uh, I just loaded up on caffeine and <laughs> got ready for this show. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot to go into, my goodness, and it seems like we are set up for some really interesting stuff in the next month, and uh, a lot of it came into, we, we expected a, two things, we expected two things out of Wrestle Kingdom Night 2, Jeremy, we expected there to be a little bit of news and some really fun matches. I think this show certainly over-delivered on the news aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I think it also delivered completely in the entertainment uh, aspect of it. I was watching this show straight up in the middle of the night, and I was having a blast with it. I, I thought it was really terrific uh, execution. Uh, I think there were people from NOAA that really showed up. I think the guys from New Japan worked very hard. Entertaining night of wrestling. Honestly, I got to give Just Nipper a lot of credit. Um, when we were talking about the Kiyomiya Okada tag match that was coming in, he was talking about the rivalry between those two and how it was building and how it was growing. And there was, there was uh, dissatisfaction and an underlying sentiment of jealousy, all these things. And that he was honestly calling a prediction of like a major blow off match three years from now. Neither of us were, were expecting the match to be booked for next month in result <laughs> of what happened at this show. But uh, he immediately let me know in the middle of the night what had happened. There was no way I was, I was getting out of the out of watching the show uh, spoiler free. I don't know if you managed to because of where you were and what you had going on, but nope. I there was there was no chance. And I I knew everything that was going in, and I was still 
unbelievably entertained with his show. And uh, I thought, given what my expectations were going into it and what I got out of it, it completely outkicked its coverage. And uh, everybody showed up. All the matches were entertaining. Uh, even, even the shows that I watched, I needed to watch one show, which was the 1-1 show, before this match, before this card, to know who everybody was. And so I give Noah a lot of credit for putting out a card in which you were eminently familiar just by watching the last big show that they had of who everybody was, what their motivation was, and why they're why they're who with who they're with. So um, there was a lot of uh, education for dummies to get forth and understand the the show. And Noah and New Japan made it very easy for everybody to watch this show, even if you were like a first-time Noah watcher, which basically I was. And uh, I was really impressed with that. And I will tell you how I found out about it. I, I took a cruise. That was my vacation there. I took a little Caribbean cruise. And I intentionally avoid the... They have the packages that you can buy that'll give you internet access. And I intentionally avoid that. The whole point of one of these things is to tune out and just not do not have to do with anything, not to do with work, not to do with social media. I'm offline for a week and it relaxes me tremendously. So we get back to uh, the port and I turn on the internet again. I kind of brace myself to see just how many notifications and emails I have and, and whatnot. But I start looking through things and so many things are about this kick to the head. And I'm just like, okay, do I want to look? Do I want to look? I got to look. I got to look. I got to look. So I, I hit the button and I see it. And I had not, uh, I was in the car with other people. I had the sound turned off. The very first thing I thought of was Akira Maeda and Ricky Choshu. I said, oh, they did that angle. And then I watched the rest of it. And I saw this side of Kazuchika Okada that I really hadn't seen much of before. And I just thought, this is wonderful because this was a match that was just kind of there and on the card. And I mean, it's, it's Okada and Togi Makabe and all due respect to Makabe, but he's not figured in. And you just think, well, what is this thing doing here? Exactly. We're just going to see a few spots between Okada and the, the GHC champion here. And that's, that's really all we're, we're doing. And it was just kind of this little sleeper cell of a match laying there. And, and I just thought, well, something should, you know, I, I was just surprised that the two champions weren't in a more prominent spot, but they had an idea for that mm -hmm. to put them in perhaps the most prominent spot of the whole night right there. So uh, kudos to everybody. And we're going to why don't we just talk about that first? Henry? This is by far the headline. And then we'll kind of work our way through the sure. rest of the card. So it was Kato Kimia, who is a terrific wrestler and the uh, whoa, there you have it. Uh, he is the GHC champion for Noah. So he's their top guy. And he's on one side of the ring with this guy, Yoshiki Inamura, who was uh, basically a prop in this match, as was Togi Makabe. They, they were, a, again, this match was a delivery system for the angle. That's all mm -hmm. this really was. In totally. fact, I think it, yeah, it only went about six minutes and 35 seconds. And probably two minutes of that was the brawl between four. Okada and Kimia. Like four minutes. Yeah. It was very quick. <clears throat> so they, it was, like, oh, there was a lot of preening at the beginning. Uh, hmm. Inamura and Okada got in there for a few minutes. Okada got him down into the uh, the the chin lock. Hmm. And uh, Kiyomiya just had it. Like, he wanted to face off with them. He was pissed at disrespect. Hmm. And uh, he, 
he just started kicking him in the back, just just wailing on him, and then he turned around and did the Maeda kick, and we were off to the races. The uh, the commentary was fantastic. Uh, mm. Kevin Kelly and uh, Chris Charlton, they they were fantastic. What else do you have to say about this? Well, the comparisons to historical aspect. Well, I thought it was fascinating that the angle actually started at the very beginning of the match. So it started with Kiyomiya wanting to square off against Okada to begin the match, and Okada just dismissing him. Okada was kind of a real jerk at the beginning of this match and this and he, he, played, heel. he played this uh well kind of isn't though but he is in this and so, and he wasn't kind of in this he was very arrogant about the whole thing uh he just kind of dismissed kiyomiya like you're beneath me uh i see the little trinket around your waist it's not the iwgp world heavyweight title therefore it is unworthy of me and i'm going to just step out of the ring and let makabe do this thing and just dismissive as hell so at first you're just like starting to sympathize with Kiyomiya a little bit. And as the match went on, you could just see Kiyomiya, who's this guy, I can't say enough about this guy's performance, just sitting there stewing. You could almost see the little storm cloud building above his head if it were a cartoon. I mean, he was just getting pissed. Steam coming out of his ears. And like I said, they did the Akira Maeda thing. Now, Akira Maeda, Ricky Choshu, what's that if you haven't watched it before? This was one of those incidences when wrestling became real. Now, what we saw in Yokohama was a worked version of it. The Ricky Choshu Akira Maeda thing was not a work. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, Choshu, that's a big distinction right there. <laughs> that's an important distinction. Very important. Again, tag team match. I believe it was a Corican Hall. Been a minute. I've slept since I looked that up last. Uh, and Ricky Choshu had the scorpion, uh, the sharpshooter, whichever one you want to call it. Uh, on a guy, and Akira Maeda was in, was on the opposite team. Now, I, I, Maeda was kind of a free spirit, if you will, a bit of a rebel. Uh, in the in the he he was not very uh, sub, he didn't submit to authority very well. Uh, Akira did not play well with others. Uh, Akira Maeda didn't, and <clears throat> Choshi was part of the office. So they had had some sort of disagreement. I don't know if that's ever been totally revealed as to what that disagreement was. But Maeda was pissed at Choshu. So Choshu is exposed. If you think about when you get a, a sharpshooter on or a scorpion, you're, you're exposed. Both of your hands are tied up with the guy's legs. So Maeda came in, broke it up, left. Just basic, like normal, and did it a couple of times. And then the next time he came in, Maeda, who was uh, MMA trained and part of the original UWFI after this, is a tough guy, uh, not somebody you would want to mess with, just shoot kicked Ricky Choshu in the face, blew his face up, broke his orbital bone, uh, and the match just came apart after that. And now, it, was, it did not look like what we saw with Kiyomiya and Okada, where they were brawling around ringside. This is one where everybody in the match realized something had gone very, very wrong and kept the two of them apart. Maeda ended up being out of New Japan. I don't think he ever came back. And uh, it, he ended up in UWFI, which was a company based around worked matches that were worked to look like MMA matches. Now, mm. uh, we saw a very poor version of that with Shingo Takagi and Ryo Khan that we're going to talk about later. But uh, UWFI's whole thing was was fooling people into thinking, okay, pro wrestling is is wrestling over there. That's the that's the fake stuff. This is what it would be. Uh, this is what it would look like if they fought for real under pro wrestling rules. 
That was the idea of UWFI. Right. And Maeda was one of the better guys at working that style, but he wasn't working against Ricky. So they, they flashed back to that and did this whole thing where Okada got kicked in the face. And Okada showed a side. You don't see Okada lose his cool. Even when Okada, the character, is angry at Jay White, or he's angry at Naito, or he's angry at anybody else, he plays it kind of chill. You know, like he's still a dangerous guy. He's the best wrestler in the world, all that stuff. But to see him just pissed and throwing things around and and beating on this guy uh and you know throwing him into the announce table and throwing equipment on him and then kiyomiya gave back as good as he got with that kick to the head and some of the punches this was so effective that these two guys lost their temper with each other that we have seen a little bit of ugliness even on social media toward kiyomiya i mean when you saw this I know that you probably realized it was a work immediately. Did you expect it to get the kind of reaction it's gotten? I wasn't sure, but it felt it felt different. You know, when like there's a vibe about something and you're just like, okay, they they've got something here when you're watching it that just it 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 catalyzes into like a feeling, like a like you connect with it emotionally in a way that you know it's not just a typical match. And, uh, you know, you can call it lightning in a bottle. You can call it whatever you want. But you you know it when you see it. And I felt like I knew it when I saw it. But I wasn't sure how many people were going to see it was really, mm. the, was really the key thing. Was like, was, was it going to spread virally enough that, uh, that Wrestle Kingdom and the stuff that happened with Omega and Osprey, that, that New Japan was enough on the radar to catalyze a larger awareness of what had happened? Yeah, yeah, it clearly did. And so I think that uh, at least for the next month, there'll be some keen interest at least of what's going on here, there, everywhere. I think people have caught wise that it's not actually uh, a real fight, but um, at least in Japan, they haven't. (laughs) And uh, in light of some recent stuff in the past with uh, the way they treated wrestlers uh, on social media, be cautious, but I do believe that these, uh, these two wrestlers are probably eminently prepared for what's ahead of them uh, in terms of this angle. I think so, too. One of the things that uh, noted the reaction got ugly enough toward Kiyomiya online that uh, Satoshi Kojima, who's, of course, a New Japan legend right. and also one half of the NOAA Tag Team Champions, the GHC Champions with Segura, uh, called for a bit of calm online. Uh, didn't quite break character, but towed the line a little bit and uh, asked everybody to keep their wits about them because uh, I guess Kiyomiya was getting some uh, things like you should go die and stuff like that, like really awful stuff. And, you know, we saw... Now, Kiyomiya is a different person than Hanakamura, who was the uh, the stardom wrestler who ran into some uh, real ugly... Uh, hateful stuff uh, mm-hmm. based off of an appearance on a Japanese reality show called Terrace House uh, that it uh, that unfortunately she uh, was even though she was a heel she was a wait tie with the stardom even as a heel she was unprepared uh, apparently for uh, just how ugly uh, the internet can be right there I don't know where Kiyomiya's head is on that uh, hopefully he understands you know hopefully he's my hope is that he's sitting back kind of smirking, just thinking, ah, I got him good, you know, but uh, you know, it was enough that uh, of a guy that's been around this business for 30 years called for calm online. So 
whatever they did struck quite a nerve with a, with a number sure. of people there, Jeremy. And I think once this match finally happens, and it will happen, of course, uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Okada is playing the arrogant, cool guy saying, I'm not going to make this guy famous. Uh, the uh, This is still beneath me. They announced this match, but they didn't ask me. I'm not going. A lot of negging. A lot of negging. Of course he's going to go. But, uh, you know, there there will be twists and turns toward that as uh, that builds. But I think once this thing gets in the ring, there's going to be a buzz in that building that's uh, unlike anything we usually get. I honestly, I just now, just now at this moment, I wondered if Kiyomi is going to show up in San Jose just to fuck with Okada on the 18th because their magic on the 21st. Like, this is the level of cooperation with Noah that they've got going on right now that is like, I'm not ruling anything out. Like, I'm just not. No, I'm, I'm just... certainly not ruling out the idea of Kiyomi showing up somewhere and right. goading Okada or perhaps even the other way around. You know, they're like, you know, it could be a sure. thing where Okada's playing it cool, playing it cool, but he's the snake in the grass and he's going to strike it sometime. Could be something as that. It could be something as simple as he's pushed through words in uh, backstage comments into it. Uh, we don't know, but uh, I, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye. Yeah. They set the groundwork with uh, Kino and Naito, the this for that, the Congo mm-hmm. and LIJ. They'll show up at other promotions. Like, there are things that are no longer off limits, and mm-hmm. the cooperation is there. And as such, you know, you want that reaction from the fans where they're rabid and they're into the angle. Is it appropriate that they're issuing death threats? for people for besmirching the great name of Okada? Absolutely not. But if like, there's a part of these promotions that are somewhat excited that they have fans passionate for this angle and they just need to temper how far in extreme that they went, but they've tapped into something and I don't think that they are in completely the wrong direction on it. They probably just overkicked their, their shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, if, if Kiyomi is okay with all this, if he is, right. then uh, this is gold. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's like, this is the objective. If you want, yeah. you want people to want to watch one guy or the other get their ass kicked. And in a month, you're going to find out if this goes to a time limit draw or a no contest. I kind of think time limit draw. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's a 30 minute match or not. But these two going 30 minutes without uh, either one giving up any ground. Sound uh, incredibly, incredibly in the direction of you. You need to respect me now. It sounds very doable that thirty-minute draw, especially if neither title is on the line, which is what the original stipulation is that the right. belts are not on the line. It does not have to be a one-hour match. So, with that in mind, they could do a thirty-minute thing and then do the draw. Uh, so that would be a way to do it. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see what they end, where it ends up going. I, I don't see it going any longer than thirty on a show where they're not really the main event either. So that's sure. a, that's that's another. Point. I will tell I will tell you this. I mm-hmm. I don't think this is the last time these two have a singles match. Oh no 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 no! This is this is going to go on. This is the beginning. It's, this is not the end. It's funny because you and I sat here uh, a few weeks ago talking about how. Okada has now won this title, but we weren't totally sure what his big rival was. We did not know that we just needed to look to another promotion to find sure. that top rival. Why not? Why don't we just look at another promotion? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's a it's a different just introduce era. Introduce that factor that's commonly associated with how wrestling promotions work. Sure, why not? That was immediately my first thought. 
Yeah, it was it was, it was a nice. It was, this is a pleasant surprise. I'm into this. Yeah, so uh, it, it I, also I mean, it all. Oh, go ahead. I, I'm just enjoying it a lot. Uh, this is this is energized Okada for me personally. Um, my prediction was that this year Okada was going to run through the New Japan roster until he faces Osprey next year because they really haven't done enough to elevate enough people on the roster to be legitimate contenders on a on a day to day basis with Okada. He's like a tier above everybody else. So the whole goal is to find that one person that exceeds the tier, kind of like a Roman Reigns thing, rather than, you know, just same old, same old with, with Okada. So doing this is a very strong refresher. And I think it's kind of curious that he's a bit heelish about this. You know, he's, mm-hmm. the, he's, the, he's the high school rival that you kind of don't like. The kind of being being the shittier of the two high school rivalry teams, the quarterback. So there are many directions. It's very early on, but uh, there are curious choices being made that actually might be kind of deliberate. Yeah, and the other thing that's what's interesting is you can still play home team if you're a New Japan fan. You can absolutely root for Okada because mm-hmm. Kiyomiya was clearly in the wrong for kicking him in the face the way he did. Right? You can always play it up like, well. Yeah, maybe Okada was being a bit of a jerk, but good grief. You know, he was he made an unsafe kick. It was an unprofessional moment in a professional wrestling match. So you could play it up that way. That Kiyomiya is just a little baby about it, you know, that type of thing. So if you want to make Kiyomiya the heel in this, you can do it because of the cheap shot to the head. If you want to make Okada, if you're a Noah guy and you want to make Okada sure. the heel, you can go, ah, that little snot, who is he? So there's all kinds of ways to go. And it, it helped this card, Jeremy, because I got to say, this was only a mild success as a draw. Only 5,533 people in the building. 8,000 showed up to the same building the next night for the Great Muda retirement match. So this did not have the same juice. Now, Muda is, is a different uh, beast there and, and a draw on his own. But I would, I would have qualified this uh, event as being only a mild success as far as drawing fans. Uh, but... Now it feels like the com- both companies have uh, a good bit of steam coming off of it. So check this out. Uh, the New Japan show in San Jose sold out. Now the Capital Collision show in April, I believe in Philadelphia, is almost nearly sold out as mm-hmm. a result of like lessons learned about what this company is willing, what these companies are willing to put out on a card and reward you for showing up to these shows and coming to these shows. That next show on 221, very curious how well the ticket sales are going to do Certainly. on that one with, with Muda and the singles matches. Because there was a lot on this card to like, but there wasn't a lot on this card to compel you, mm. if that makes any sense. Now you, you've been given these angles that you're compelled. Like, am I going to miss out on something knowing that this card is happening and they've They've done all these things, and I didn't think it was a big deal at the time, but now that I watch it, I kind of wish I had gone. Is that going to make you want to go to the next couple of cards instead? Lesson learned? You know, I kind of have that feeling sometimes, so I would not be shocked if that if it just kind of catalyzes people into wanting to go to these next ones because they kind of missed out on this one. And we will be looking forward to those shows. And now I think we should probably talk about the other matches because there were other matches, Jeremy. There were other matches. (laughs) And there were some pretty enjoyable ones. So uh, we're going to run down this card. And, uh, yeah, let's do that now. So it started off with a couple of uh, early matches. They were kind of pre-show matches, but they were enjoyable. We had the young boys from Noah, that is Taishi Ozawa and uh, 
Yasutaka Yano facing Kosei Fujita and Ryohei Oiwa. This was a really good opener. I think the New Japan sh- guys showed a little better fundamentals overall. There were some sure. iffy moments from the other two, but it was a strong match. And, of course, Fujita is getting a bit of a mini push right now with his recruitment into the TMDK faction despite being a young lion. He's still th- They're walking that line. He's still technically a young lion, but he's part of TMDK. And they've done some interesting things with Zack Sabre training him in the ring, and we'll talk about some of that. But a uh, good match. Uh, in the end, it was Fujita, uh, Fujita getting the win over Ozawa, but uh, all four of these guys uh, showed some real potential and just a fun 12-minute opener. They uh, they didn't... I kind of thought that they would mess around with Fujita and Oiwa having more issues with each other, tagging as, you know, not seeing eye-to-eye right now and uh it really didn't happen as much they were it it just played it straight it was a totally good match the when i was doing it i kept my out for ozawa and yano um because i thought they were really good in the matches that i saw on one one with them and a lot of these guys did not win their matches and they came into this so i was, I was curious to see the win-loss records coming out of it but like you said um guys for the future you know right to pay attention to all these names because kind of think that they might be people you'll be you'll see again in the future. It's always worth that. I, I've been going back and watching old New Japan stuff from 2010, and because uh, why not, right? <laughs> but it's 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 funny to go. We if have you go time. Back, <laughs> if you go back to Wrestle Kingdom that year, there is a Young Lions match, and two of the Young Lions are Yoshihashi and Kazuchika Okada, and Okada ends up taking the pin, and and. He had the dropkick, by the way. Uh, but uh, the rest of it, it's, it's just kind of funny. And then at the G1 finals that year, Yujiro Takahashi is in the opening match against uh, Nagata and gets an upset win. And you won't believe it, Yujiro Takahashi actually threw a, what was it, a moonsault off the top rope. Imagine him doing that now. You never see Yujiro doing that. So uh, these are guys that you might go back and just say, oh, crap, I remember seeing him when he was just doing like little 10-minuters at the beginning of the shows right there. It it does happen, folks. Those guys yeah. do become major stars, so keep an eye. Always so, footage out there of what before they were stars. Yeah, and uh, that's one that I, I enjoy doing that with my with my girlfriend. I was just like, see the guy that's just in the black trunks and the black hair and all that? Just, can you, you know who that is? You know who that is? And she'll look and she'll just, wow, oh, he looks kind of familiar. And then he'll do something. He's like, is that? And it looks like, you know, like she's just studying it for a second. Is that Okada? Yeah, it's Okada. Hey! <laughs> she's like, wow. You know? And then immediately there's a, he's a lot better looking now. I said, okay, you can leave. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, That's fine. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> we don't need to talk too much about how good looking the dude is. I'm, I'm, I know. I know. We know. We all know. We don't need to. We, we believe me. We're all well aware. Genetic disadvantages all bound. <laughs> My inferiority corp and complex is, uh, needs no help. So up next was a tag team match uh, again. Uh, no, so New Japan got the first win. So you had an idea of what was about to happen here. So we had Tomohiro Ishii and Oscar Loibe uh, against Daiki Inaba and Masa Kitamiya. Kitamiya is a hell of a wrestler. Ishii is a wonderful wrestler. That was the part helped, I liked. <laughs> also helped that these two are doppelgangers of one another right here. So uh, both of them are just built like a fire hydrant, tough as nails. I like that Kitamiya has gone all the way into uh, being a Masa Saito uh, tribute act, basically. So yeah. he's, got, he's got Masa Saito's tights, with, with, even with Japan in English written down the sides, just like when Saito and Fuji were the 
WWF tag team champions in the early 80s. And of course, Saito had a long run throughout the United States and uh, was a legend back in with New Japan as well. So he we had a long, wonderful career that uh, unfortunately included a little jail time with Ken Patera right there. A the little incident where he uh, fought half the Minneapolis Police Department. We'll move on. The uh, the match Nobody here, though, McDonald's? I believe so. Yeah, it was it was something really goofy. Uh, the just uh, wrestlers <laughs> a little too wound up after a show. Um, but and I don't think I don't think the original thing involved Saito. I think when they went to arrest. Oh boy, it's been a long time. Probably talking out of my ass here. When they went to arrest Patera <laughs> at the hotel, they ran into Saito and ended up fighting him. It was they both ended up going to jail for it for a while. But um, Not anyway, on this one. <laughs> None of that has to do with Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. It's just entertaining. But uh, Ishii and Luebi against uh, Inaba and Kitamiya. The highlight of this stuff was Kitamiya clashing with uh, Ishii, who could they could play each other in their biopics, right? They're, they're, this is about the same guy. It was so much fun. Uh, Kitamiya did end up uh, uh, beating Luebe, uh of course. He was there to do the job in this one. And there was a post-match brawl and Abba and Loibe were pretty much extraneous to this one we were here to see the two bulls clash right, horn right the uh the minute the minute I laid eyes on Moxie Kitamiya for that one one show I was like <laughs> oh I know what this is gonna be and you, just, you look at him you're just like yeah 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 okay yeah. I'm here for it and we got it we got what five minutes of them kind of going at each other here or there everywhere in the match and honestly Almost worth the price of admission of the show itself just to watch this thing. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was just it was. It was a lot of fun. And Oscar Loibe, by the way, had a really good week. And this dude is coming along fast. And he's in these opening matches. He's still doing his Young Lion thing. But this guy is is really shown up. And he's been in some uh, interesting spots where he's been teaming with uh, Chaos guys, doing the job, of course, protecting them from having to lose. But he's been good when he's been in there. I, I think that they've got something with him, too. But uh, I usually like the Young Lions, but I think this guy's really a standout lately. And the others are good, too. Well, it's, it's a strong strong crop of Lions. So then we go on to the main show. And uh, it started off with, uh, boy, there's some names here and uh, a long careers. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi, Toru Yano, Satoshi Kojima, and Takashi Segura. Again, Kojima and Segura. GHC tag team champions. Exactly right. So we have a bit of, we, we have mixed teams here. This is not New Japan versus Noah because you had uh, Naomichi Marufuji and uh, El Fantasmo. And Gato and uh, let me make sure I hit this. Kenta. Button. Kenta, yeah. And so, interesting thing about Marufuji and Kenta. Kenta and Marufuji were some of the last trainees of the All Japan Dojo under the Baba banner. You know, before everything changed when Baba passed away, Mitsuharu Misawa and most of the roster broke away to form Noah. But toward the very end there, when it was still the four pillars were still around Kobashi, Misawa, Kawada, Tawe, uh, Marufuji and Kenta trained in that system before moving on. And uh, so they have a big history together. And Kenta was trying to recruit Marufuji into Bullet Club, which didn't quite work. Marufuji, bit of a rebel, but not quite ready to go there yet. And uh, he didn't do the big uh, two sweet sign there. And that caused a little bit of consternation. But uh, overall, this was a match between the guys with a, a ton of experience it was it was fine. Ghetto put over Kojima's chops like nobody's business. Like it was like he was teaching a lesson on how to put over chops like that. 
And uh, in the end, it was it was very basic, 12 minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, they knew that this was a match on the show, but not their time to shine necessarily. In the end, Yano pushed the Bullet Club into the referee. I believe it was a Noah ref. Then he hit a low blow on Gato, rolled him up, and pinned him. Uh, it was fine for what it was. Uh, the I think the most interesting thing was the cell phone story that uh, Chris Charlton related uh, with Kevin Kelly on commentary when uh, Maro Fuji was ribbing Kenta. He, he talked about how apparently in that dojo, if you do not answer the phone by the third ring, you are in deep, deep trouble. That was part of the Young Lions thing. So Maro Fuji would find a way to uh, found one of the early mobile phones. There weren't the, you know, this is in the late 90s one of the very early mobile phones and would wait until Kenta was just about at the men's room, just about at the men's room. Then he'd hit that button and have him scampering once again uh, uh, across the ring. And he would just do that over and over again as he would have, keep Kenta from accomplishing his duties by uh, hitting it with a mobile phone while spying on him. So, uh, you know, again, this is just a bunch of very, very well-tenured veterans uh, that put on a, a fine match knowing that there was big stuff to come on the card. There, uh, there were a few little things at play that I kind of noticed and I thought was interesting. The dynamic between Gato, ELP, and Kenta as Bullet Club members without Jay White, I think, is something that we need to be paying attention to mm. in terms of how that they're playing out the pecking order, whether ELP is, is going to be taking this whole Bullet Club thing over if uh, Jay White leaves, is that kind of what's happening? All that stuff kind of needs to be just kind of on your radar if you're watching Bullet Club stuff because uh, nobody really knows what the next direction is with Jay White. Jay White isn't even really around to talk about it, which is part of the mystique and, you know, kind of makes me think that he is going to be sticking around because his blueprint for this never really deviates with that said. It's also possible that Jay doesn't even know exactly where he's going to go next either. Sure, but they are... they had a they had a really good uh, setup for this match because the GHC tag champions face Kenta and Marufuji at the one one show. Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to be facing Kenta at the February eleventh show, I believe, in a singles match before Kenta has his uh, New Japan Strong match on February eighteenth against the winner of Fred Rosser and Peter. Peter Peter Avalon, which uh, I can't believe I actually have to dictate that as a stipulation before, but hey, hey, that's what we're doing. Pretty good <laughs> Peter, Peter uh, Avalon. Oh, so I do, I do credit them for managing to craft a match that managed to weave all these disparate elements, and yet, and yet, have a completely inconsequential finish with Yano <laughs> pinning Ghetto, and off we go to delay and parlay all these angles to the next appropriate time. Tanahashi and Kenta should be interesting. Both those guys now know how to work, obviously. So uh, that'll be a nice match to come out of that. I expect them to do something interesting, even though Tanahashi's, a, knee, Tanahashi's knees are really not letting him do a whole lot right now. I hope he's okay for that one. They had a horrific match a year ago. Yeah, they, well, the Kenta and Tanahashi, that the, the hardcore match at Wrestle Kingdom was, was so interesting. Bad. Just for, so like, took him out of action for six months. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, 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 I'm curious to see what they do with the next yeah. one because I don't like. Don't, you know, I don't. I, they, Kenta has a reason to be pissed, but I, I am, I don't need them escalating this match to a to an extreme degree. If if you wanted to do something where Kenta made it so that. 
Tanahashi really couldn't go far in the New Japan Cup in the next month. I would like that long-term storytelling. That would be something that they could do. I don't know if they'll do that, but I would be into that kind of, given the amount of time that Kenta was on the shelf after their match. So up next, we had El Desperado and Yohei. Uh, Yohei being one of the juniors for Noah. And this one really opened my eyes to Yohei. I love this one. I thought this match was really fun. It was fast-paced. It was exciting. I think Yohei would fit in in the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Division. He has charisma. He's certainly athletic. El Desperado is one of the better junior heavyweight workers out there. So this was really good. It ended with the, the numero dos and a win for Desperado. But my thoughts on this, I, I again, El Desperado is a made man for me. I think he's absolutely wonderful and always a top contender for anything. It was Yohei was on my mind after this. I'd like to see more of this guy. I, I hope someday maybe he's in best of super junior. If we're going to work together, let's work together, right? Let's mm-hmm. see him in best of super juniors or in the junior tag. Uh, he really worked well and worked a very nice junior heavyweight New Japan style. Uh, this was among my favorite matches of the night. I'll say, I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. This dude gave me so many Jeff Hardy vibes, mm. but like his body is still like put together because he's been around a while. Uh, apparently, he's been around for like 15 years at least. So God, this, guy, this guy is like just, he's been out there, he's been doing it. So. You must be drinking uh, the same I, water as Kota Ibushi. He's looking good. He's looking spry. Uh, that's not a body frame that typically holds up well in wrestling, no. but he, he, he's, looking, he's looking like he is holding up just fine. And uh, th- this match definitely exceeded my expectations, even though I already knew going in, hey, yo, hey, could potentially surprise me. So we moved on to another match that was worked with the idea of putting one guy over. This is a six-man match, but it was about one dude. It was Tiger Mask, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Master Wato taking on Junta Junta Miyawaki, Alejandro, and Amakasa. And Amakasa is the GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion. We know now that the entire idea was to build toward he and Hiromu Takahashi. So if we're going to have the GHC and IWGP Heavyweight Champions meet, Let's have the junior heavyweights meet. So this match was about making him look good. Not the trickiest thing in the world. This guy is really good. But uh, this match, he really shined. And they got him ready for Hiromu. And after watching Amakusa in this one, I am more than ready to see he and uh, I feel is the best junior heavyweight worker on earth, Hiromu Takahashi. I'm in for it. I'm up for it. Can't wait for it. Uh, This guy really impressed me. Again, he's, he's no... Uh, this guy's not right off the truck. He's been good for a while, but uh, seeing him in this one, it reminded me that uh, Noah has a lot of really good junior heavyweight talent when most people's minds go to uh, New Japan for that. So you may have seen Amakusa on gone viral in the last couple of days. He's the wrestler that jumped through the ropes and basically corkscrewed himself so that his head was almost at the ground and took out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think actually Alejandro in a match <laughs> uh, later on in the week. Uh, I'd also tell you, everybody who might be curious about this guy, go back to the 1-1 show, go watch Junta, Miyakawa, and Amakusa in their title match because they had a title match against each other and then teamed up in this match against the New Japan guys. 
a match with one of the best matches on that card. It mm. was just uh, just top level stuff. Um, you know, when you want to say like these guys uh, have yet to be discovered, there are people that have been singing these guys' praises for a long time, but we just don't cover the Noah beat and yeah, are not yeah. familiar with it. But they're right. These guys are great. And uh, they delivered. And they they made, they made outshone the New Japan guys in this match. Wato, Taguchi, and Tiger Mask, you know what they offer. This was a spotlight to put the eyes on the other three. And when they had the opportunity to shine, they shine bright like diamonds, my friend. Bright yeah, like and, diamonds. and if I made it sound like I was dismissing Noah as being wallowing in obscurity somewhere, I, I no. don't want to make that impression. I, this is a... This has been a long time uh, major company in Japan. It's just not one we cover on this show. And unfortunately, I'm not, I don't have time uh, to watch uh, enough Noah. I always enjoy it when I see it. And I would love to see more of it. I just don't have all the hours in the day right there. So whenever I get guys like Yohei who, and Amakusa who have been around for a while, just not where I can see them all the time. It's a real treat. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So if I fumbled that up and said that they've been not know, wrestling in a high school gym in front of 20 people, that is not what's been going on. These guys are not at all. Stuff. They're wrestling at the same venues that new Japan does on their lower, on their lower card shows where it's the venues that are brightly lit with the stadium seating with the, with the bleacher seating. Sometimes they're doing the same shows. They're at the same places. This isn't, this isn't like a one upmanship or anything like that. It's just, there is so much wrestling in the world, and yeah. frankly speaking, New Japan is considered the the number one promotion in Japan and what we've chosen to cover on this show. So when we talk about other promotions, it is literally because we do not have a whole lot of exposure to it because this takes up so much of our time. <laughs> And uh, the next match on this card, and that's very well put, uh, the next match on this card already took up a lot of time on this show, which was the uh, Kiyomiya, uh, Inamura versus Okada and Makabe. One so, more we, time for that kick at home. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> man, I give Okada credit for taking that thing. That was nasty. I mean, you so, kind of have to throw it out there in the middle of the review just to remember what the tone is as we're watching it and we're going yeah. through it. I'm like, now this happened, and now let's move on to the rest of our show. <laughs> Basically the what next- it was. Like, it was there, and then it, like... All right, well, I guess we'll find out what happened from there afterwards. But the next thing is interesting because after that, which is what everyone's been talking about, we came down to the Congo faction versus LIJ faction portion of the program, best of five, which was actually the selling point for this show in the first place. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the whole Kimia uh okada thing that was that was just a match on the card that was kind of flying under the radar there but this show was sold at the idea of congo and lij going at it in a series of singles matches coming off an angle where congo invaded uh the post-match press conference there of lij at the tokyo dome on january 4th so it began with bushi and tadasuke and there you have it right there tadasuke this is one charismatic dude. I mean, his facial expressions, he has a very animated face. It worked real well, especially in contract to the mass man, Bushy. And uh, Bushy controlled most of the match because he was going to be doing the job. Uh, and he looked motivated to put on a good show. This was a Bushy's usually p- pretty good, but this is one of the better versions of Bushy we've gotten in a while. Uh, he actually hit the black mist on uh, black mist on Tadasuke. And went for his uh, pinfall finish. However, 
Tadasuke was able to counter that into a crucifix and kind of get a flash pin to put Congo up one nothing, even though he was blind as a bat from uh, basically being uh, being spit in the face. <laughs> so uh, I thought that, that was clever. I thought it was, it was. you know would have been a one up clinchship and you know just let you know that Congo was not going to go quietly into this night. And we mention it all the time. Bushy does yeoman's work there because he's the only member of LIJ that's not heavily protected. And it's something that he has to take a lot of losses. And the fact that he can do it while still looking good is a testament to his talent. And this was a good match. 100%. I have nothing to add out of that. I had a great time watching it. Uh, maybe in the future, if this is going to be T-Tong's spot. You know, like this is going to mm-hmm. be instead of Bushi, Teton will be doing the bottom of the LIJ on the card, potentially the lock, uh, and Bushi will be moving up in the stable from there. But who knows? Uh, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to sift through as 2023 goes forward. And we'll be seeing Teton again at the Fantastica Mania tour coming up when the CMLL stars invade. He's back in Mexico right now. Next match, uh, so one nothing Congo. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi took on Hajime Ohara, and this one was a bit of a tough sell in that Ohara isn't really seen as being on the level of Hiromu Takahashi, not very men are, and this one was another example of just how good Takahashi is. He worked very hard to establish Ohara as a threat, because not many really, not many saw him as being on that elite level, but he sold and sold and sold effectively for this guy, and there were some moments when it looked like our man was in peril right there. He did a hell of a job. Uh, he missed a running drop kick from the apron to the floor, which was a, a rough bump to take. But again, it put over the idea that O'Hara had him scouted and was, was playing at least for a night close to that level. There was a moment here, a cool spot that I noted O'Hara fired up with a series of lightning fast, hard slaps bounces himself off the ropes once Hiromu was stunned, ran into a thrust kick from Hiromu. Then when Hiromu went to hit a move on him, he turned it into a mean-looking version of a brain buster. It took me longer to describe that than it did for those two guys to do it. They were so quick, and uh, both of them are just lightning fast. And that was a lot of fun. His submission hold, that's uh, O'Hara's, is called the Muy Bien. Both of them have a history of uh, work in Japan. Uh, They missed each other in CMLL going on an excursion barely, but uh, they were there around the same time and not at the same time. Uh, so his uh, submission is called the Muy Bien and did an excellent job of teasing that Hiroma might actually tap to this thing. So uh, it didn't. And he got to the ropes and ended up getting the time bomb two uh, for the pinfall right there. How Those long were... was that? How long was he in that submission for? It felt like 90 seconds. Yeah. Probably, like probably like 45 or something, but it felt like 90 <laughs> It was quite a struggle right there, but uh, 13 minutes and five seconds. Okay. And it's it's to the point now uh, and has been for years where any Hiromu Takahashi match that isn't great, I'm a little surprised. This is another great match. This guy's one of the best in the world. It was a great showing for O'Hara, and I think it's going to help his career. And uh, I just in, enjoyed, and it tied the series up at 1-1. The Huga, I, I kind of did predictions on the, uh, the matches last week, and I was most confident that the outcome of this match was that Hiroma was going to win this match right. in the best of five. Regardless of how any of the other matches were going to go, I was most confident because of him being a champion that he probably wasn't going to lose this match. 
So we had another one here once it was 1-1 between two men that are former tag team partners and oh, have held good. gold together. What's that? Oh, there we go. Oh, this is good. <laughs> yes, it was. And uh, Manabu Soya, there it is against Sonata. And did you have the same reaction I did, Jeremy, when I saw Manabu Soya with the red beard, the red hair? Sheamus. And I just thought, it's a Japanese Sheamus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, there it is. There he it is. So Sheamus <laughs> He was he was feeling the Seamus. Uh very Seamus. Seamus O'Shaughnessy over here. <laughs> <laughs> These two are former two-time all Asian tag team champions together back in their all Japan days. So there a lot of uh what was the connective tissue is the term that everybody seems to use in wrestling now. So sure. uh, we have Noah, we have all Japan history going here, we have uh New Japan. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned the shameless thing with the beard color, but the fact is these two were tag team partners that held gold together and, uh, they worked really well together too. Now, Soya, you can't, you, you can see the quads a little bit here. This is a strong man. Uh, the, uh, the, I don't know if the picture really puts over that's a Miro build. The dude is built like Miro. Like, yeah, what? that's, that's, yeah, he is. That's a good way of putting it right there. He actually countered a skull end, uh, into a power slam, just muscled up. Uh, uh, a muscle the Sonata up. There was another skull end that was countered into a deadlift suplex. So this guy was just putting on all the big strong moves right there. Similar to what Jeff Cobb does sometimes. Uh, it's He's not as big as Cobb and, and almost certainly not as strong as Cobb, but he was doing stuff like that. And it was interesting because Sonata is such an athlete that he can feed for stuff like that beautifully. He hit a DDT that looked like he damn near killed Sonata too. That was for a really good near fall. And once that happened, that got the crowd into it where before they were, I'm not going to say the crowd was dead because that's not fair, but that one moved it up about three notches because that DDT looked like a finish. And when Sonata kicked out, now everybody's like, okay, this is going to end in a couple of seconds. And I want my guy to win. The end of it was Soya working relentlessly toward hitting his big lariat. And they found a couple of ways for Sonata to barely escape before he finally ate the big lariat and he got the pinfall. It made a 2-1 Congo. It also uh, made it into a 4-4 uh, overall singles record between the two. And it, it put it in the proper peril for LIJ. Now they have to win two big ones in a row in order to pull this off. And it had the subtext of the former tag champs and it was an enjoyable match. Uh, I... I want to give Hanada a lot of credit in this match for doing his part, but this was uh, a performance by Soya personally yeah. to me. Uh, I, I think that he made a name for himself off of Hanada in this match. And if that was the goal, it was probably, you know, mission accomplished. I loved when he just yelled Hanada's name before he gave him his uh, ballistic finisher. Uh, mm. It just, it was just a nice touch. Uh, everything about it, it just, it felt like two guys who were very familiar with each other, but had no problem beating the absolute piss out of each other. <laughs> it, they have that kind of trust that workers have sometimes where you hit your friends the hardest because you know that you can and they sure. won't be bothered by it. And you know that when they hit you back, they'll do it safely. There's, <laughs> It's an odd thing in wrestling is sometimes you walk on eggshells with the guys you don't like and you hit the guys you do like the hardest because of that trust thing. And you could tell that was part of this. So, And, and it added to it. Yeah. So you, know, uh, you know what the next match was? Yeah, I, I think it was a little stiff too, wasn't it? And the next match was my, the match of the night for me. <laughs> It was Katsuhiko Nakajima, who is a tough, tough man. When I saw 
uh, I saw a night of the N1 tournament when I was in Japan. I, I went to Corican Hall and saw uh, a, it's their version of the G1, is the N1, Noah's thing. And Nakajima had a knockdown drag out match that was just full of these stiff kicks, stiff chops. He wrestled Shingo Takagi here in Yokohama, and it was another really, this is the kind of match, this is a tough way to make a living, Jeremy, working matches like this. But Everything was snug in this one. Forearms, the kicks. There was a head kick from Nakajima to Takagi that teased a knockout that looked like it absolutely could have been. It was, these guys were hitting each other very hard. It got the crowd to rally for Shingo because Shingo sold everything so effectively. I'm not convinced that so much of it was selling as much as him just reacting to getting hit that damn hard. Uh, what did you think of this one? I, you said it was your match of the night. Talk to us a little bit more about why you felt it was because I think you're probably correct. There was a lot of lineage that was played up into this match. Uh, Nakajima, to my understanding, had two wins over Takagi, and Takagi had never beaten Nakajima, despite their history together. Uh, so, so, uh, so on. And so you're coming in, you're almost thinking that Takagi is going to have to win this match. You know, it's like you can't go 0 oh, 3 against this dude. But when you're watching it, Nakajima's faster, he's sometimes stronger, he's got the counters. And Takagi can't keep up, and they're constantly selling that he's got the match tomorrow night, all the uh, all the disparate factors that are really putting him as an underdog, even though, you know, as a former world champion, you kind of think that this guy shouldn't be the underdog. They sold you that Takagi was probably not going to win this match, and then he came from behind and rallied and won the match in such a compelling fashion that it really spoke to the performance of the two wrestlers and their familiarity with each other, that they may manage to make you believe the outcome, even though there was a lot of elements making you feel like that was not going to be the way the match was going to go. My favorite spot in this one, by the way, Nakajima went for a kick to the stomach. Shingo Takagi caught it. Similar to what you see when a guy catches a leg and then turns it into a dragon screw. But instead of doing that, Nakajima tried to punch him. So he, while holding onto the leg, he intercepts the punch, then turn that in one move into a made in Japan. Look fantastic. Oh, After that, he was able to get a pumping bomber, the big lariat of his own there for a near fall. Then he gave him basically three finishers in order to win this thing. A half and he, half. Put him away, put him away, put him away. Last of the dragon. The, the story being that it takes all three to knock this guy down. I, I love this one. Uh, I'm, again, I mentioned this is a tough way to make a living, but boy, it's entertaining. And it tied the whole thing at two to two, which it had to, right? We had to go into the final match mm -hmm. with the entire thing in the balance. That's the whole mm -hmm. point of this, right? So uh, it worked and uh, a lot of fun. And it brought us to Naido and Keno uh, with everything on the line. And boy, yeah. Then uh, these two went after it. The Battle of the Rebels, you know, these two are, are different personalities, but they have the similar idea of being the faction leaders that are most anti-authoritarian, so to speak, in uh, their respective companies. And uh, you saw Naito working the stalling, the classic Naito stalling. You don't see it at that level. Like he was giving it to uh, Keno there where he would roll out of the ring, walk around. A lot a of while. big timing. A lot of big timing. Yeah, a lot of big timing. Roll in, roll out the other side, that type of thing. Same with Okada. You know, yeah. those two guys, they big timed him. Yeah. And then once they got wrestling, there was a lot of, uh, it, it was a slower pace uh, match. And I, I don't mean boring. That's not what I'm saying. Well worked. But they worked that deliberate main event style, partially because they knew they were going to be going to, uh, over 25 minutes. This Very one. Very methodical. 
2657, so almost 27. And Keno does a little bit more traditional heel work, taunting the crowd, uh, jawing with people. Uh, Naito really doesn't do that. He does it more with looks and smirks and uh, body language. Keno, a little bit different type of that anti-authoritarian heel. Uh, his One of his big moves is uh, basically the coup de grace, the jump off the top rope, crashing down with the double stomp. He teased it in the match, missed it, but then hit it later for a really terrific near fall on Naito. And uh, in the end, though, uh, Naito managed to uh, turn a slam into a Destino for a close two count, uh, Valencia, and then a Destino again for three. This was a solid match. It, it was. It doesn't have the high spots, and certainly those guys don't work a style that involves a ton of, of dives and things. But this was... Uh, a match between just two really excellent workers that had twists and turns, but uh, not the, not the giant high spots. I still found it really good. It was almost like you, you watch some of those old, uh, you know, Briscoe Dory Funk matches where they're not even bouncing off the ropes yet. You're riveted to it. It's just two guys that really know how to, to work with one another and have that it factor, that charisma that makes you just drawn to everything you do. How would you summarize this one? So, this match was really built off of social media. Like, you wanted these two guys to get their hands on each other, more so than any of the other guys in the feud that they had going on. Like, you knew Nakajima and Takagi was going to be a banger. You knew the history going in with Soya and Sonata, and you knew that the, the two lower cards were going to have, you know, a vibe. And after you've had Okada and Kiyomiya basically go off the rails in their match, you 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 had a sense of uncertainty in that this could go in many different ways because, you know, all bets were off. And then you just got the traditional, traditional main event match in which you... Naito and Kino are, are very are, are mirror images of each other. One is a younger, one is basically a younger version of the other. The other is a wizened version of you know, you know, it's like looking in the mirror and just seeing a, an older and a younger reflection of each other. And so it doesn't surprise me that Naito won this match. Although part of me, like if if the Muda like angle afterward wasn't gonna happen, I kind of would have gone in the other direction, but that's personally just me because I think that there's a lot more mileage to be had by giving a Noah, a prominent Noah roster member, a big win over a new Japan, like main event act. I think everyone would benefit from that in a preliminary stage like this, but it didn't happen. And that's okay. Uh, but like I said, with some of these other matches, this isn't the last time that these two are going to face each other. And I, I think that we're we are going to get to a point where, you know, even after the match where Naito wanted him to, you know, either join or acknowledge LIJ and, and Kino's like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. You know, that there's, there's, more, there's more of our food that we get to eat uh, from this meal. And I am, uh, after all said and done, sign me up. I'm here for it. Naito, I felt like had to win the match knowing what was about to happen, the, sure. the whole thing with Mudo, because now he's going to be headlining a Tokyo Dome show. So I, I just think the way New Japan books, there's no way his shoulders see a three count until at least that uh, that Tokyo Dome show and probably not even there. Uh, 
Yeah. Probably not even there. So uh, that's how it had to go. And of course, it is a New Japan. It is Wrestle Kingdom. I expected LIJ to pull this thing out three to two. And I did expect it to be three to two at least. So uh, good work, though, by everybody. Keno's a really talented dude. So I, I would like to see more of him as well. I'd like to see a lot of these guys. Noah. I'd like to see more Noah help. But sure. uh, just an enjoyable show. And then, of course, you know, he gave the speech afterwards. Uh, Naito did. And as he was leaving, he was most of the way up the aisle. Uh, Muto, probably because it took his knees that long to get to the ring, uh, get in, gets in and challenged Naito for the last one. And if you're wondering, yeah, there's a lot of last matches for Muto. There seems to be what a like pro. every, every what other a week. <laughs> yes, I, I'm, ex I'm expecting him to do, uh, you know, the, the, the last match for uh, however many promotions he's been. Uh, I, Allegedly, Jeremy, this is his final one. I ain't buying it. There were originally it. <laughs> five. There were originally five matches that he was going to have. How many has he had? But uh, I think he had five last month. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he's, he's working now more than he did. Anyway, point being, uh, this is it. The, the last love. We're going to be at the Tokyo Dome. It's going to be Naito and Mudo. Besides the fact that, I mean, Kevin Kelly was openly laughing about whether this would be the last match because it never really is, right? How many people have willingly walked away. And I think the list is Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe, the original, from the original Briscoe, uh, family, you know, Jack and Jerry from the 70s in Florida. I think he was the last guy that just walked away and did not actually come back. Uh, and to this day, I think he might be the only one that never did that one more match. But this whole retirement tour thing is reminding me of Wahoo McDaniel. Uh, Jeremy, I'll tell you why. For years, and I do mean years, plural, Wahoo would have retirement matches at every independent show he worked. So there are probably uh, dozens and dozens of Wahoo McDaniel retirement matches where he would have his last match and do, they would get the standing ovation as Wahoo's last match. Then he would go do it again the next town over the next night. It's starting to feel a little bit like that. So we'll see if this is the very last one, but there it is. Uh, that, that's how we went out with Mudo and Naito. Uh, it shows you a little bit the uh, stroke that Mudo has in that on a Noah new Japan show, he gets to be the last thing making the final challenge in the ring and hyping up a show. That's not a new Japan or a Noah show officially. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Okay. So is this going to close out the show or do you think Okada and Kiyomiya close out the show? Oh, I think if, if Keiji Muto is in a position of influence, he will close the show. <laughs> It, it it depends on just how is is muto just the attraction or is he actually doing the promoting and is actually in charge of this tokyo dome event because if he is actually in charge of this tokyo dome event i absolutely believe that it will end with kaiji muto in the ring i mean i don't i, I, I don't I think he'll be able to help himself jeremy i think he would put himself i think he would put himself on top of uh, the rock versus austin if he could i guess with naito getting his tokyo dome main event everybody's happy in 2023 I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's New Japan or Noah that's has enough stroke in it that they can tell him, no, you go. But is he going to go second to last at his own show? I don't. I just don't. Now that I think about it, he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we got this one. Yeah, boy, we got all kinds of stuff there. So now, allegedly, right? Because. Uh, Okada's playing it cool, saying he's above all this, but we've this is going to go in the ring. I mean, the, you don't get graphics like this in Japan unless they're going to put the match in the ring. That's not none of that WWE bullshit. This is this match is going in. The so we're going to see that. Yeah. What else we got? Do we have other stuff? We, got, we, have we got one more. 
Yes, there it is. How about this? Yeah, yeah. Romu and uh, that's going to be a special one. I, you know, I, I really think that that's probably oh boy. You know, the the two that we just had up there, Okada and Kiyomiya and uh, Takahashi and Amakusa, probably the two best matches of the night in some order or another. Uh, also worth noting, uh, let's see, we're going to have Ghetto and Taiji Ishimori against Nosawa and Mazada. Uh, which yes. is a NOAA team right there. There's going to be an All Japan uh, representation, DDT representation. We're also going to be seeing, uh, who else? Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro is uh, another uh, women's wrestling company that I believe is owned by the same parent company as NOAA. So a similar situation to the stardom-New Japan relationship there. So a lot of different uh, things. And we're, and we're going to see that. We found out we're going to have a junior heavyweight and we don't know enough about this to really talk about too much, but a junior heavyweight card promoted by Hiromu Takahashi that could have as many as 22 different promotions uh, represented. I have the list of promotions right here. Are you ready for it? Oh, boy. Let's hear it. Um, see how many. Two, play along at home and see how many of these names you've ever heard of. Let's go. They're not names, a, but promotions. Ready for it? 2AW. <laughs> pro no. Wrestling. All Japan yeah. Pro Wrestling. Yes. Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Sure. CMLL. DDT. Tradition. Yes. Okay. Dragging yes, okay. That we talked about that one on the show a couple weeks ago. That's Fujinami's company. Ganbari Pro Wrestling, Gleet, okay. Just yes. Tap Out, Kyushu mm. Pro Wrestling, Mishinoku mm. Pro Wrestling, New Japan okay. Pro Wrestling, Osaka right. Pro Wrestling, Pancrase Mission, Pro Wrestling Bihara, Pro Wrestling mm. Freedom, Pro Wrestling Noah, Pro Wrestling Secret Base, Pro Wrestling Zero One, and Ryukyu Dragon Pro Wrestling. So you know what I get from that? A lot of tag matches. A lot, a, lot of tag <laughs> a lot of tags. That'll be very interesting. To a see. lot of tag matches there. <laughs> so I think it's a uh, one show. <laughs> yeah, it's just one show. And then you know, there's we'll we'll get into all those. That's that's out to come. I think that's in March first. Is March first is when that I March first, right before the anniversary show, right before the New Japan Cup, right after Fantastic Mania. We're throwing around a lot of dates here. Yeah. And we're throwing around a lot of locations. We're going to get that a little bit organized here later in the show. So the good uh, news is, the good news is, is we're here every week and we'll keep it organized. <laughs> so you just have to show up and listen, and we'll talk about it for you when it's time. And you can listen either here on YouTube or we're going to have a podcast feed going where you get your podcast, the whole usual Spotify's, the Apple Podcasts, the Amazon Podcasts, all that stuff. Yeah, we are. And uh, so that's available as well. And and if you do, just uh, do us a little favor. Give us a nice rating, maybe a little review. That helps people find the show. We're very grateful to you for that. And we will have... I will give uh, you a star rating if you give me a star rating. I don't know. Wherever you get <laughs> a star rating, I'll give you a star rating. I will make the this, effort. <laughs> this is the only time I will care about a star rating. Is it right here? Right there. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the, the so we're going to be doing that, and uh, that feed's going to be up. Uh, the Justin Nipper show will be up as well as the show before that. We're going to have all that for you there, uh, so that you can uh, listen and as well as watch us. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, Jeremy, uh, we do need to talk about the new beginning in Nagoya, which happened. We are on, on an hour and eight minutes in, and we can actually talk about a new Japan exclusive match right now. There you go. <laughs> And now, now these the, the road to New Beginning and New Beginning in Nagoya, mostly preview tags, and we talked uh, about what the matchups are coming up. We're going to go over those in a bit. So we're not going to go over these match by match. We don't have time. And it's, and it's entertaining, but these matches are, are mostly house show style for the most part. The main event at Nagoya, which was in front of 1,650 fans, not a bad crowd there, uh, was the mixed martial arts match for the King of Pro Wrestling provisional title between Shingo Takagi and the Great Okan. <sighs> you know, 
I made a joke about this match on uh, on the rap. I was on the rap, which covers all things WWE for Fight Game Media, cheap. Mm-hmm. And I said I was not sure whether this mixed martial arts match between Great Okan and Shingo Takagi was going to be better or worse than the pitch black match between LA Knight and Bray Wyatt at the Oh, Bar it's going to be better than that. It's going to be better. No, than no. That. Afterwards, I found out that this is, in fact, better. But at the time, I wasn't sure. Oh, but that that Bray Wyatt thing is going to be so god awful. Bless us all. Oh God, black light special, baby. Oh, man, I boy, a guy goes on a spending spree at Spirit Halloween. We got to watch all this crap on WWE Love TV it. again. Love this match, <laughs> this match though. So we had this thing under MMA rules allegedly. This stuff never works, Jeremy. This whole idea of working an MMA match, you know, it, this doing, was voted on doing this kind of stuff in a pro wrestling context just doesn't pan out and it, it, it never There's looks one right two to one vote though like <sighs> the fans must be right <laughs> there was uh they had the shingo takagi 30 count rule or they had the mma and on it a two to one somewhat... vote like 67 percent, i think chose the mma rule it's got to be the curiosity factor though right because we've already seen a 30 count match yeah, I bet if yeah, they, yeah. I bet if, I bet if they went back and said, "We'll do it again," we'll either do thirty count or this again. Thirty count will win. I'll bet that. So monkey paw, it was a monkey paw choice. The whole thing was goofy though, because first of all, Hiromo Takahashi jumped up on the apron in the middle of the match. Francesco Akira ran in and knocked him off of the apron, which made Great Okan stop what he was doing and go talk to Akira like it was something that was unplanned. And Okan was telling him, "No, no, no, wait, you don't do that now. You just go outside the ring." It was a weird moment, and it was a very awkward moment. Uh, then, in the middle of this thing where they're trying to work an MMA fight, the referee is distracted, and, and he hangs Shingo Takagi over the top rope with the judo belt. There's outside interference, and, and keep in mind, uh, the United Empire usually doesn't interfere, but Will Ospreay hits an os cutter. They choose this moment to do it in the match where it makes the least sense that there would be any kind of outside interference. It was. I thought it was very silly. I don't think it's any kind of coincidence at all that this match picked up what little bit it did once they started doing regular wrestling moves and, for, and almost kind of forgot about the whole stipulation. Like they realized the whole thing wasn't working and they said, all right, never mind, let's just wrestle. When the got of Gi, it, it felt yeah. like it was a different match. Uh, yes, and one that was at least decent to watch. So I think this is definitely a situation of too many cooks in the kitchen with the booking of New Japan. It's like, Takagi has a full dance card, and so does Okada in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But they have ma- they have a match with each other to intercept in the middle of all of this that kind of makes everything else that they got going on, at least in Takagi's case, like, it felt like a lame duck match. Like, you're not going to have Shingo lose a King of Pro Wrestling match before he's challenging for the world title. It's just not going to happen. Like, that's just not how it works. So you have to have that level of uh, plausible deniability going into this match if you don't want to feel that way. But if you do, you need to be watching a match that will actually compel you and convince you that, oh, yeah, Takagi could lose this match. But after the night before with Nakajima, it's like, they had an uphill battle. This wasn't, this wasn't anything that anyone had any real control over, and they did the best that they could. And uh, that's me putting it the nicest way I can. <laughs> it was it was a tough one. And there was something that uh, our regular viewer, uh, Colin, mentioned in the comments section 
not all that long ago. It just feels like Shingo's a little bit lost in the roster. Mm -hmm. And they weren't sure what they were really doing with him. And he and I kind of went back and forth a little bit on that. I think it's still true that they're not really sure what to do with him. So they're just doing everything with him. I mean, you, you know, you're going to get a good match with he and Okada. I don't think anybody doubts that. But, you know, oh, we'll have him, we'll throw him in there in this thing again, uh, Wrestle Kingdom Night 2, and he'll have a good match with Nakajima. It's like, oh, we need something for this. So let's just throw him in there in a goofy match with Great Okan. It'll be okay. It's like they, it, they're not doing anything with him by doing everything with him. And so I, I don't expect him to really uh, beat Okada. I, I don't think that's a story because he's, he, again, Okada has other things set up for later. So, you know, it's a thing where Shingo is just kind of stuck in this strange limbo. But if you're going to be stuck in limbo, at least be stuck in main event limbo. There, there does seem to be a fa- uh, an effect that New Japan is too healthy and has a bloated roster. Like there's too much top talent and they're all like, there's not enough room at the top for it. I mean, really yeah. of the main event scene, the only one that's missing out of the last few years is Kota Ibushi. And, you know, he's already been figured out of the plan, but even still, like, all the top names have either been there, been around, had a, had a run with the title, you know, like, there's just mm-hmm. not room right now. And it's unfortunate. And Takagi's a, apparently a company man. He just wants to go out and wrestle and get and uh, have good matches, and you're perfectly fine with that. You just... Um, you know yeah. what I mean? It's super weird. Like, yeah, I, want, I want him to have these banger matches all the time, but like he's just here there everywhere but not not like a pillar of any particular company and when you're a pillar you feel more important than if you're here there and everywhere as kind of like a stable freelancer for the company i suppose if you're takagi your attitude toward this is well if i'm in limbo i'd rather be in limbo wrestling either in you know two main events and a semi-main on huge shows than any trails. It's, it's not a bad problem to have, I suppose, but right. just as a fan of the dude, I would like to see. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's just so much talent up there that like, he's just, he got squeezed out after wrestle kingdom last year. And the best that they really could do was give him the king of pro wrestling title. And the dude has actually elevated the king of pro wrestling title, frankly Definitely. speaking from Definitely. what it was a year ago. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, he, and Ta- he and Taichi did that. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. want bigger and better things for him, but you can't say that he hasn't, you know, put the work in when he's been given the assignment. So that was the new beginning in Nagoya. Wanted to mention something for the folks that have uh, New Japan, uh, the uh, the streaming service, New Japan World. Road to New Beginning at the Corican Hall on the twenty fourth. Yeah, today it was early, very very in the wee hours of the morning today. Uh, they had a show that was not. Uh, spectacularly attended about 705 people in the building, but those 705 were treated to a couple of really good matches. Now these were preview tags, strictly preview. Again, there's not no any big angles coming out of this. They're just making sure the champions and the challengers all look strong, but this is one I would recommend. If you have new Japan world, go out of your way to watch TMDK, which was Shane Haste, Mikey Nichols, Zack Sabre Jr. And Kosei Fujita against Bishamon. So Yoshihashi, Goto, Oscar Luebi, and Tomohiro Ishii, because that eight-man tag at Korokin was a great match. Uh, they're doing these things with Zack and Fujita where he's basically teaching him how to do moves in the ring, and they're playing it up. So 
you know, Fujita will go in there and do a move. Zach will like signal for a tag. He'll tag himself in, demonstrate the move, then tag back out to Fujita, who does it again, but better. And they're like, yeah, yeah, there you go. Like Zach's training him in the ring. Kind of fun. Nice little thing there. But I mentioned the mini push that Fujita is getting. This is another bit of example out of it. Uh, Zach actually gave a, in one of those moments where everybody's hitting a big move on everybody, Zach kicked Ishii who stumbled back into while selling, stumbled back into Fujita for a fantastic near fall. Then Fujita hit a belly to belly on him for a near fall. Then they ended up winning the match because Luebe was in there to take, to take the loss. Mm. So you're seeing him getting near falls on upper tier guys and also getting wins because they're putting traditional young lions across from them. So a little bit of a mini push going for uh, Fujita there. I don't the expect him to suddenly begin. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing to look out for in that match with uh, Zach and Ishii coming up, Zach really doing a lot of work on Ishii's arms, both of them left and right, which is interesting to see. Don't usually see people work the right side, but he was doing that uh, in, in this match a lot. The other one, Jeremy, I wanted to mention, Shota Umino, Toru Yano, and Kazuchika Okada against Naito, Shingo, and Sonata. You just have to look at that lineup and know that it's probably going to be really good. But they are uh, working very hard to get Umino over, and uh, they did a good job on this one. In this match, uh, Umino hit a death rider on Naito, uh, for one thing, and laid him out, then put one on Sonata, then pinned Sonata while staring down Naito. And that's just... (laughs) That's just a little bit of extra steam on that one. The funny thing is, Jeremy, I kind of felt like they were setting up Amino for the big win here, but now, because I think Naito's not going to lose until that Tokyo Dome show, and maybe not even there, I think Naito's going to beat Amino, but I think it's going to be a thing where they're going to make show to look as strong as possible going in. Going to make a little prediction on this show right now. I think Shota at least makes the semifinals of the New Japan Cup because if he doesn't get the, for him. Yeah. if he doesn't get a big win against Naito, which I thought might have been the plan, maybe I don't have any inside information on that. Then I think he's going to look good going all the way up to that match, barely lose to Naito, then make a run in the cup because I think they're very serious about making him this guy a star. Strong six man tag match there in Corican today. Go out of your way to see it. Nothing to add to all that. I think Shota having a good run in the New Japan Cup is a really strong goal. I think that's, I think that's great. We're going to have a bracketology uh, episode, mm-hmm. maybe with a special guest in yeah. a couple of weeks. But uh, I circle, circle, dot, dot that one because uh, we're going to have a lot of fun planning out the New Japan Cup and, uh, you know, game planning what we think is going to happen. I, I have a very strong success rate in predicting New Japan Cup winners. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ride that high. <laughs> and embarrass myself when i get it wrong this year but you know (laughs) when i underplay it and then i win everybody's proud of me there you have it so so jeremy let's go over let's look at some of these big shows coming up now again we're here every week so we're going to keep you up to date on some of these things but there's going to be some smaller house shows going on throughout the week there's going to be an actual uh, tamashi show in uh, the oceana promotion in sydney on february 3rd the next big set of events is the two-night uh, event in uh, Sapporo. Uh, Sapporo. The 4th and the 5th? Sapporo on the 4th and the 5th, yeah. And uh, again, you've been hearing that there might be some uh, weather issues there. Apparently, there's uh, snow and cold unlike uh, uh, like rarely seen in that region. And that's the, 
the furthest north and snowiest part of Japan, but apparently it's getting a healthy dose. So we'll see if there are any travel issues. Uh, TJP had some, actually, in uh, just getting to Japan. But two-night event in Sapporo. Uh, Sapporo. Why don't I keep I get put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there? Uh, Sapporo. Uh, on the 4th, TJP and Francesco Akira will defend the junior tag team titles against Doki and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. We'll also see Taiichi against Will Ospreay in a special singles match. We'll see Shoto Umino against Naito that night on the 5th. So two nights in a row. Yoshihashi and Goto Bishamon will defend the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships for the first time since winning them at Wrestle Kingdom against Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols, the TMDK team. We'll also see Tomohiro Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr. in the first television title defense. And uh, in addition to that, we'll also see the main event, Yo challenging Hiromu Takahashi for the junior heavyweight title. So that's uh, the next big one there. My big prediction, I think I said it before, but I'm going to say it again, is I think TMDK takes the tag team title at this event. Mm, feeling strong about that. Okay. Feel spicy well, about that one. We're going to talk more like about that next week. That's, a big, that's, yeah. a, that's my big prediction. And uh, I'm just going to ride that one all the way through until I conveniently ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just uh, just asking here, do you have anything uh, anything else, anything from New Japan Strong to talk about? What else is on your no, mind? No, I think I, I think we should uh, take a quick breather and then go into the history lesson because this will probably be uh, be a, a very somber one. So why don't we go ahead and go with that? Well, we yeah, and of course we've talked uh, about uh, – everywhere the whole tragic loss of uh, of jay briscoe in that accident that also uh, severely injured his two daughters uh as of the time we're taping this show his daughters seem to be doing a little bit better and it's uh, taking the first steps on what will surely be a long road to recovery and uh, our thoughts are certainly with uh, the briscoe's family their friends and everything else it's a, a very sad thing you know i know that uh, you know jay was you know, they, they talked about how they, they were on the very first Ring of Honor show, you know, the Briscoes. And I remember getting into Ring of Honor, Jeremy, because I saw a match between the Briscoes and the SATs. And I remember seeing that on a DVD that was getting passed around and just thinking, my God, these guys are just so talented. And I got to watch them for, you know, 20 years and really a one of the great tag teams of the century. And you know, I know that there was a thing where Jay made a mistake and um, made some comments that got him probably limited his career in a lot of ways. Not probably, certainly limited his career in a lot of ways, which he later apologized uh, profusely for. Even so, uh, just the loss of him, it, it's, it's a tough one. And it's just they just recently had some of the best tag team matches of this era against FTR. They were still going very strong, and uh, to be cut off like that, it's it's very sad, uh, both from a wrestling standpoint, but even more so. Uh, you know, a 12-year-old girl and a 9-year-old girl lost their dad, and uh, it's just something that's uh, very sad. It, it made me go back and look at uh, their career, and I mentioned that the, the very early Ring of Honor stuff all the way through, and since this is a New Japan show, I decided to go back and look at their time in uh, New Japan. And while it's not the most extensive run uh, in, in history, they, they were certainly part of New Japan, and they managed to get into the history books in it, uh, Jeremy. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of things about their career in uh, Ring of Honor and, and, and other places, uh, but uh, there's, there's some New Japan stuff here for you. 
their first work in Japan was actually for Noah, and that was came all the way back in 2008. One of the reasons you saw both companies do a tribute to uh, the Briscoes there before uh, night two of Wrestle Kingdom is because he does. They do have uh, the Briscoes have affiliation with both companies. A so lovely a tour, tribute, by the way. It was really nice, very yeah, very really nice tribute. And uh, in that time in Noah in 2008. Uh, these guys ran into some of the very best talent that company had. Here, how about this one? They were in the ring with uh, Mitsuharu Masawa, uh, Kenta, uh, Taiji Ishimori, uh, Marafuji, uh, Takashi Segura, Davey Richards, Brian Danielson, and Kota Ibushi at various times during that tour in 2008. So it shows you that Noah took them very seriously very quickly because they were in with some of the best talent they had. Uh, and I wanted to mention Yoshinobu Kanemaru as well because he was the GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion at the time, and Jay challenged him for the title. Uh, Kanemaru did retain the title in there, but during that run, uh, they were built up enough that he got a title shot against uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru. So already some New Japan uh, linkage there. At first, they just worked New Japan and ROH combined shows. Uh, that started in 2014. And some of the working agreements between New Japan and ROH where they would do these, uh, what were they called, Global Wars shows, where it was the, the two companies coming together. Uh, they actually challenged uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson for the IWGP Tag Team titles in the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City in 2014. Uh, in another New Japan uh, Ring of Honor show, May 5th, 2015, they lost to, listen to this tag team, uh, Chaos, Shinsuke Nakamura, and uh, Kazuchika Okada. That match took place at the 2300 Arena, the former ECW arena. There. Dang. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder if that's anywhere. I don't know if that's on Honor Club or anywhere else, but, I, boy, that, I would love to see that one now. 2016 was their first proper New Japan run where they weren't doing – where they weren't representing Ring of Honor in a combined show. This is where they were actually just part of a New Japan tour. And they mostly wrestled against Bullet Club. They were on kind of the, the chaos -y side of it, and we'll get into that. Uh, they mostly wrestled Bullet Club, uh, Young Bucks, and the combinations of Bad Luck Fale, Kenny Omega, who was uh, still the cleaner then. And that was the only year they worked those non-promoted uh, shows. And the key to this was they were the very first... Jeremy, never open weight six man tag team champions with Toro Yano. So I loved it. I loved it they, so much. <laughs> they defeated uh, the uh, team of, uh, let's see, they, who did they, they beat? Uh, it was Bad Luck Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and I believe Tama Tonga at Wrestle Kingdom 10 to establish those titles. And they held them until February 11th, where they lost them to the same uh, team there at the uh, new beginning in Osaka. To establish this belt as kind of the hot potato title, and you know, don't look away because the title could change hands at any moment. They actually won them back three days later at the new beginning in Nagata, and then lost them four days, six days after that. So on February 20th, to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, the Elite, uh, February 20th. And so again, they were a bunch of title changes pretty quickly in fun, fast-paced matches to establish the idea that these uh, championships are hanging by perilous threads. Was that one and, of the last times that uh, the Bucks and um, the Briscoe could face off? It's it's among the last times, yeah, because they really didn't work. Well, I, in Ring of Honor, they may have a few more times, but in Japan, certainly, because the Briscoes uh, then uh, ended up working more for New Japan later in the year, and at Dominion, 
June 19, 2016, they defeated the Gorillas of Destiny at Osaka Joe Hall and won the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. They uh, kept them for a while, made a couple of defenses, mostly against Bullet Club, and lost them at the King of Pro Wrestling uh, pay-per-view in Tokyo on October 10th, uh, 2016, back to the Gorillas of Destiny. And that title match there where they lost them back, that was really the last uh, run in on, on New Japan show. They made a couple more where they were on those Global War events where it was both Ring of Honor and New Japan. But uh, that was their run in 2016 and involved establishing a brand new six-man title. It involved a heavyweight tag team uh, run. And then they were a feature part of those Global War combined shows whenever New Japan and Ring of Honor hooked up over the years. So a little bit of a thread there with the Briscoes and uh, IWGP. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a shame that we don't we won't get to see them uh, in the future. And, of course, we wish uh, Mark and uh jay's family uh, all the best going forward as they recover from this tragedy yeah i um throughout all this i never felt like i was the eminent qualified individual to speak of his career or yeah. uh, his accomplishment um there are a lot of people that really were it's clear that you have uh enough knowledge of this time in japan to speak accurately of it um Mike Gilbert and J.D. Oliva of our Brace for Impact today. Lovely uh, tribute to him on their Brace for Impact Extra on the YouTube. So if you want to hear more about the personal impact of people who were deeply, deeply affected by uh, by the loss of Jay Briscoe on our, on our network, that would be a uh, that would be an appropriate show to to check out. Um, but yeah, the the absence of Jay Briscoe in this world uh, as a result of the tragedy that happened. Um, it's left a huge void for a lot of people, and uh, I just I wish that everyone who uh, has suffered the loss of this uh, can find solace and peace that he had a he had a very huge impact, mostly positive on this world. It says a lot that just about every major American promotion, including one he never worked for, WWE, uh, paid tribute to him and called him one of the best tag teams of the era. It's absolutely true. So, with that, I sad to end on a sober note. Jeremy, is there anything else we want to mention before we? fold up the tent for the week and uh, look toward the future or uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention? You know, I think, uh, I think that's a pretty good note to end on. Uh, you can find me at Jerry Finestone on Twitter. Uh, yeah. What about you? At Stephen Conway 88 on Twitter and ringside replay.com, my history website. And of course, make sure you check out fight game media, both the YouTube feed and uh, the podcast feed, everything else. We cover everything in combat sports and check it out. You will be glad you did. It's impossible to cover everything. Fight Game Media can help you keep track of an ever-expanding world of pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. So with that, we'll say goodbye for this week. I'm Stephen Conway. He's Jeremy Finestone. We will talk more about some of the events, issues, and news surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling when we return next week. We'll see you then. Thanks again.